0: Hello and welcome to Beyond the Noise, the podcast series from PR Week. I'm Frankie Oliver, your host and founder of New Society. And today I'm joined by PR Week Editor-in-Chief Danny Rogers and UK Editor John Harrington. Hello to you both. Happy New Year.
1: Hi Frankie. Happy New Year. Yeah, happy thank New Year.
0: Thank you. Thank you. So we're going to kick off this year's first podcast with a look at some of the industry's key trends and predictions for 2024, a subject I know the PR Week team have already written a number of articles on. So while we won't have time to look at the whole of your latest top 24, John, that I know you've recently written, let's have a look at some of the most notable trends, including agency trading confidence, the elections that are ahead. AI, is purpose dead? And finally, what does this year's Summer of Sport mean for the industry? So first of all, kicking off, let's look at trading confidence for the year ahead. John, I believe you have the latest results from the PR Week monthly trading tracker to share with us. What what do they say?
1: Yes, well, briefly about the trading tracker. This is where each month we ask PR agency bosses about how trading was in the previous month and then we put a piece together and, and track the trends and get their quotes. I'd say, and this is a bit of a cliche, but I think there was actually some cautious optimism about about 2024. About three in four agency bosses um, who responded think trading will be better this year than it was last year and more than one in five think it will be much stronger. So you could argue that maybe this isn't that surprising given 2023 was tough you know squeeze margins client spend being affected and so on nevertheless it's hardly gloomy as i say we get comments from agencies as well which are definitely worth checking out and quite a few of the bosses described december as really solid joe mckay sinclair at the romans for example said consumer pi is back with a bang um others are more cautious but i didn't get a huge rush of negativity to be honest that was quite quite good Well, if I think
0: about where we were this time last year, I mean, I think a lot of agencies hit a very tough January, didn't they? There was a really, really tough quarter. And we were looking at really high inflation, you know, really unpredictable financial picture. I think agencies were hoping and economically, we were all hoping that inflation was going to be down in the summer and it wasn't, it took a bit longer. But I think there's confidence returning now that Inflation is stabilising, coming down, house prices are going to stabilise, etc. So I think that's probably giving a lot of confidence to clients and therefore agencies.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think 2023, let's face it, was a pretty tough year for a lot of people. The economy was flat in 2023 and that meant that revenues for many agencies and many clients were flat at a time, as you both say, of, of rising costs of running a business. You know, the average pay rise, I think, last year in the private sector was something like 10%. So if you're paying your staff 10% more, your entire workforce, and your revenues are flat, then your margins are being squeezed. And I think that's what we saw. And that's why um, we saw some redundancies in the PR industry and, so, and some agencies failing, of course, we should uh, we should mention that. A few significant PR agencies failed last year. But while 2024 still feels at this point a bit similar, I think it's still tough out there. The economy is sort of flatlining, I think. I do think that some of these pressures will be alleviated in 2024, because I think, as we're going to come on to discuss later in the conversation, there's reasons to believe that certain factors in our society mean that revenues will get a boost this year. But also, I think, as you say, Frankie, inflation's coming down. So the, the pressures on running a business, the cost pressures will be alleviated a bit. So... Yeah, I think it's fairly optimistic that 2024 will end a lot better than 2023
1: ended. I also think that quite a lot of agencies, certainly agencies probably in-house as well, I think they did quite a lot of the tough stuff in 2023. I think about redundancies, you know, going back to our trading tracker, we asked about, about redundancies and about around one in seven of the agencies that responded said they did make redundancies last year. But interestingly, hardly any, just 2.2% think it's quite likely they'll do so this year. Two thirds of agencies said redundancies are unlikely and almost one in four ruled them out entirely. I mean, it looks to me, as I say, that agencies have already acted on redundancies and it was a really tough year for that reason. A lot of people obviously went through a very difficult time and our sympathy will always be with them. But I certainly don't expect mass layoffs in 2024. I mean, I really hope I'm, prove, I'm proven correct with that. And you can obviously never say things for sure, but I don't get the impression that this is on the horizon
2: for, for the next 12. We've been through the pain and now we're going to get the game.
1: Maybe, maybe.
0: Let's hope, because it's been quite unpredictable for the last couple of years, hasn't it? But I can definitely see that it's it's looking much more stable ahead. And I think really that the biggest thing that we've got ahead of us is the elections and a huge amount of uncertainty around that, not just locally within the UK, but globally. And also, like, where are we as UK PLC? You know, kind of feeling quite unstable as so many issues economically going on but it's good to see the PR pictures feeling quite stable, but there's still a lot out there, isn't there, that we certainly don't know about.
1: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
0: Talking of the elections, we also know that 75% of our democracies are going to the polls this year. So it's really quite an extraordinary year. And I think, you know, a number of us are quite daunted about the prospect of potentially uh, Mr. Trump returning to power. So Danny, what do you think this means for agencies and their clients? Does more political uncertainty and risk actually mean more agencies are going to be called upon for senior consultancy? Or do you think the elections are actually going to slow down trading potentially?
2: I think the answer is both, really, Frankie. Yeah. I do think these all these elections in the UK, the US and the EU provide a big opportunity for PR professionals. But they also provide a significant threat. The opportunity lies in, as you say, any period of change um, where you've got new governments potentially coming in. And even when they do come in then clients are going to need PR professionals to advise them on what's going to happen and what their policies should be and what sort of people they should be hiring, what skills they should be bringing in. So I think there's going to be a lot of demand for corporate affairs uh, advice and public affairs advice with so many political changes. But without doubt, the instability and uncertainty, and for example, we don't know when the UK election is going to be, and clearly, we don't know who's going to win uh, all of these elections. This uncertainty is a, is a major challenge, too, because if businesses don't know who's going to be running countries and they don't even know when elections are going to be, they perhaps don't invest. Right. They don't make decisions. They put off decisions on big campaigns or big business investments until they know the answers. So I think this uncertainty is also suppressing the economy as well. And if we think this uncertainty is bad, as you alluded to earlier, Frankie, just imagine if Donald Trump is elected as president in the US at the end of this year, because I think very few people that I talk to, and let, let's be honest, want a Trump leadership of America again, an isolationist president, a, quite an extreme president, somebody who's you know had fairly close relationships with President Putin in the past. All bets are off. And I'm sure you feel very strongly about his view on um, climate change.
0: Well, I was only discussing this with uh, colleagues in the US yesterday. And worryingly, a lot of people do feel that the, uh, the possibility of Trump coming in is quite high. Um, and I think it's that level of uncertainty that's definitely concerning for business, industry, everybody. I think in the UK, it's interesting, because I know you said, oh, we don't know who's going to win. But I, I have a sense that there's quite a strong feeling that we know who's going to win that potentially the Tories are out and actually potentially that might give a boost and some level of confidence to UK PLC that's kind of been on its arse somewhat, especially with the huge amount of corruption and scandal around the current government, that actually having a new, fresh energy in government should be really exciting and good for business and good for the economy. But the overall global situation with Trump, as you say, and then obviously Putin and China and all of those other uh, major geopolitical risks are, I think, definitely of great concern.
2: Yeah, we haven't mentioned potential escalation of the war in the Middle East either, which is worrying a lot of businesses, I know. And there's many parts of the West are trying to keep a lid on that at the moment. But if that escalates further, then that's going to um, have big effects on the economy and on the business world.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: I think there's also the rise of the the far right in other countries as well the, the sort of populist right we saw it in the Netherlands we've seen it in Sweden obviously we've had Orbán in Hungary for quite a long time and and now we got we got Italy as well I mean that it, in a funny way it might the UK might be an outlier if Starmer does come in and with a more sort of centre ground politics so I think the sort of populist right does seem like in many places it's it's on the march again which is is concerning
2: Yeah Macron's under pressure in France and yes. I was reading today that Germany has a number of protests. Some of the biggest post war, post second world war protests they've had in the country, which a lot of people are saying are being hijacked by the right. So uh, the
0: farmers' protests I think were on the news last night, weren't they? Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, I think
0: what's really worrying as well about the, the rise of the far right across Europe, which is, you know, such a worrying issue, is also how they're winning young votes. So actually, we've got quite a different picture now that because of the economy not necessarily delivering for young people, they feel they can't buy houses, they haven't got access to jobs and so forth. That's really where the risk is. And I think that's a very different picture to what we've seen before. So where that's going to leave young people who are the target of many businesses and many brands and what they're wanting from the world around them, whilst also wanting a climate and a planet and a a world around them that's going to serve them better in the future. There's so many conflicting values and ideologies to navigate here that it's going to be a very complex picture i think from one big issue to another which is the never-ending conversation around ai john you and i talked about this issue last year especially in terms of the rise of fake news due to ai so Mm. what do you think really kind of going into this year what are the biggest risks and challenges facing you know agencies from an ai perspective is the misinformation do you think going to get so much worse
1: Well, I think so. But I mean, I guess sort of taking a step back in terms of how the industry has been responding. I know that last year there were sort of warnings that PR is kind of sleepwalking into AI um, and it really needs to up its game in terms of getting to grips with, with the technology. And in recent months, we've heard from numerous agencies about what they've been doing with their sort of AI policies and so on and trying to get under the skin of of the new tech. And, you know, kind of is almost too much to start discussing, but it's it's everything from sort of automation to creativity to various different processes and so on. I mean, I think the biggest risk is doing nothing. And I think the second biggest risk is investing in the wrong way. We know agencies, as I say, are looking at automation, whether we get a fully AI press release, and that will be the norm in 2024. I mean, I strongly doubt it. I, I don't think the tech is up to it yet. But I I think the sort of pressure to keep on top of this is huge. And I, I sort of made the prediction that I, I think the sort of head of AI type role will be commonplace in, in the industry at some point this year. And whether it has that that title or not, I'm not sure. But it, it strikes me that agencies need a champion of AI, but they also need to spread that learning throughout the agency, really, so no one's left behind. It's almost like the start of the social media era, really. But It really but anyway, is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But going back to the, the point about fake news, I mean, I, I think this will be the year... Of fake news elections um, driven by AI. But I do think this is a massive opportunity, because comms has has got to be there, as as alluded to earlier, counter all the misinformation and the disinformation flying around. So, you know, comms is is vital in this battle. And that's everything from agencies to, you know, in-house and certainly the public sector, healthcare comms and so on as well. So... And is um, it possible,
0: do you think, because of the elections, it's really going to test the scale of what we're dealing with?
1: Oh, 100%. I think we haven't even started to sort of understand how strong this could be. I saw this at 75% of the world that is a democracy is going to the polls this year. So there's bound to be attempts to sort of hijack and spread disinformation in most, if not all of those. So it's a real colossal effort that I think is going to be made by various different parties. Well, to kind of there influence was the Cambridge
0: things. Analytica issue the last time we had the big trump wins, so you Indeed. know the, for the leader of fake news it's going to be very interesting to see what the role of ai is going to be and also just an incredibly sophisticated infrastructure that was used around the elections in the past so goodness knows where we're going to be this year right
2: yeah and i think and what's interesting is it could be an opportunity as well because as i understand it One of the challenges is verifying information. So isn't it incumbent on the communications industry? It's certainly incumbent on the media to try and find ways of verifying what is true information. That may be an opportunity for our industry. If it can come up with ways of authenticating uh, actual information, then you fight misinformation.
0: I don't know about you as an individual, but I've definitely started to be able to use my own eye to look at pictures and go, oh, no, I can tell that's potentially being doctored. No, that's not real. That one is. But such a wealth of information out there and how that then gets disseminated and how you can retract it before it's then delivered so much damage that you can't ever, you know, tell the good story if a bad story has been told type thing. As you say, you know, maybe this will be the year that we establish some ground rules around it and we actually find out what we can and need to do around it, given the wealth of what's ahead of us?
2: The answer may lie in AI itself. I think at PR360 last year, we had a speaker who talked about some AI tools are actually good at spotting misinformation via AI, and they can um, verify it and, and adjust it.
1: Yeah, there's also all the regulation coming, isn't there, around AI? We hope. You know, <laughs> we, we hope. Well, it sounds like Europe is kind of ahead of us on this. And the current government prefers a light touch approach. If Labour do get in, we'll see what their approach is. But it definitely seems to me like the industry needs to sort of be ahead of the regulation in a sense. And I think things like labelling when you're using AI and making it really clear and not trying to fool people in a serious way, if you know what I mean. It's one thing sort of using a bit of fun trickery for a lighthearted campaign. But I think there's there's a limit to that sort of thing.
0: And it's very interesting to think about from a creativity perspective, like what might now be out of the door? We've talked about, do you actually need to do the stunt to get the picture?
1: Yes, yeah. Interestingly, in our predictions piece for consumer PR this year, we published this week, Joe Carr at Hope and Glory said, a big brand stunt will stage a return. So I recommend having a read of that article. It strikes me that AI creativity, sort of AI images and brands experimenting with different types of AI will really start flooding the internet. But in a sense, I think this shows that the sort of good creative comms and good ideas will be even more important to stand out in a very crowded marketplace, if you like.
2: I actually think that the AI revolution is probably the biggest revolution we've had in the business world since the internet, whenever that was that late 80s. Probably yeah yeah. Well, it's possibly
0: the biggest revolution in human so. I mean, we don't really know what's ahead yeah, of us. Yeah, of course.
2: Of... But I think even in the business world, you know, it's a bit like the internet, where for a while it was a, it was seen as a sort of separate area of business and a separate skill set, and then it eventually just took over everything, and we had titles at, um, such as revolution all about internet marketing oh, and then of course gosh, they just got
0: back Danny <laughs> I know I know
2: it was a very successful title and then it eventually new got new media mer- age new media age was the other one they all got merged into uh, into the existing marketing week and marketing and so on showing that the revolution has simply changed the old order and uh, it's not a separate opportunity at all it's just a revolution of the existing business
1: and again so, so, social media is a really good comparison here isn't it I mean if you never use social media and you don't understand how it works, you're probably not going to be a good PR full stop. Whereas there was a time when you would have social media specialists and you would bring them in as a sort of a, a, as a comms expert and they would teach you what to do or they'd take over certain elements. And obviously you can get really deep specialists, but if you don't understand the impact implications and how Twitter and Instagram, et cetera, et cetera work, you're quite possibly in the wrong business.
0: So, John, moving on, uh, looking at the second prediction you made in your top 24 predictions for 2024, you rather depressingly said that you thought purpose was going to be replaced by good old fashioned CSR. So what led you to that prediction?
1: Well, and obviously, you know, purpose can mean many things to different people. It so, it's, it's Yeah, it's, it's maybe I'm playing with terminology a little bit, but bear with me. I think the age of corporations jumping on every cause is mostly behind us. I think now corporations really, really want to avoid getting dragged into the culture war. I mean, the most famous example, obviously, last year, AB InBev famously fell into this with its collaboration, Bud Light, with trans influencer Dylan Mulvaney. For this reason, I think companies will still want to support good causes, but it'll be less about progressive positioning, more about doing the right thing in their own backyard. Uh, it doesn't mean ESG is over, but I do think it's evolving. There's some recent research that's interesting from Taneo. This found just eight percent of chief executives are reducing their ESG programs, so there's no huge retreat from ESG. But seventy-two percent are changing them in response to the politicisation, in inverted commas, of, of ESG. So I think there's a really interesting story there about ESG is is, is evolving. And I know ESG and purpose um, are not the same thing, and they're often used interchangeably. So Apologies for that. But I think it's the same debate, really.
0: Yes, no, absolutely. And I think in terms of ESG, businesses do still have to deliver against science-based targets, especially for the E part of ESG. But I think really with the rise of Culture wars and the rise of green hushing, as well, where a number of brands and businesses feel reputationally they can't talk about their environmental programs as much as they used to, that potentially there's been a reduction in the types of comms programs that are being done around ESG. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the ESG strategy has been devalued or underinvested in. Would you agree, Danny?
2: Yes, I would. I, I do think there's a big difference. Between ESG and purpose. I think ESG is really about the way that companies run themselves and how they do the right things in the environment and in social communities and so on, and in their own governance. Whereas purpose tends to mean campaigning proactively on a particular social cause or or maybe a green cause. And I think that's what we're going to see a lot less of. I think the companies are going to carry on thankfully doing the right things they're going to become more community-minded they're going to become more diverse they're going to become more sustainable and they become better run which is all a good thing but I think they're going to stop jumping on the bandwagon of thinking that having a view on a social cause or having a particular view on the environment is going to win them sales and is going to win them a business advantage and that's been the sense we've had in the last decade or so if you look back at the Cannes Lion Festival about 10 years ago almost a majority of campaigns entered there have some sort of social cause attached to them, sometimes a a sustainability cause. And you look then at the uh, CAN line last year, and it was about half as many. So companies are stopping using this sort of purpose campaigning in campaigning. And that, I think, is a result of two things. One, I don't think it's working anymore. I think it's very difficult for businesses to get an advantage with such things, because there's so much skepticism as well about woke washing and greenwashing. But I also think, as as John mentioned, it's a result of the culture wars, because it's very risky now to take a strong campaigning view on a social issue and possibly even environmental issues. Because you will get a particularly in America and in the UK from up to half of your audience may not like the position you've taken because we live in a very polarised society. So all this makes campaigning on purpose very risky and we may have seen an end of an era as a result.
0: I think it's incredibly concerning because I think actually it's not necessarily about the audience necessarily being polarised. It's about the media being polarised and driving um, a message around You know, woke capitalism, et cetera, et cetera. If we think like two years ago when we had COP26 and we knew that ESG was the new fundamental part of capitalism, that's all been pulled back effectively by neoliberal and fossil fuel lobbies who've done an incredible job of minimizing any kind of positive voice around environmental and social issues. So it's incredibly concerning and an issue that a number of businesses are really struggling with. And I really hope this year that we'll see a lot more collaboration amongst businesses who are coming together to stand together shoulder to shoulder within their industry around these issues, rather than feeling that they have to fear and stand away from really talking about some of the fundamental um, aims that they all need to be achieving rather than it just being silenced.
2: Yeah, I agree on collaboration, but I disagree with you on the fact the audience hasn't become polarised because that surely is why we're talking about these elections being so important and the rise of the far right across the Western world. The the rise of the far right across the Western world is coming because the audience is polarised. So I
0: completely agree. Polarisation is definitely there, but I think it's being wound up and the, the the, the flames are being fanned effectively by headlines around wokery i mean i even saw with hs2 and you could see that the subwriters on tabloid newspapers just add woke into any headline that they possibly can i even saw hs2 being called woke when it was pulled back from its government investments there are forces at play that are stirring up these energies within the public and are very purposefully delivering a divide and conquer strategy to polarize them
1: i mean maybe there was an interesting report actually this week from FGS Global that was talking about, about purpose. And I think this sort of gets the half. Of it. When you were talking about sort of fossil fuel companies and, 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 and what they're doing in terms of pollution and so on, I feel that it's absolutely the thing that they need to focus on, on sustainability, because that is literally what they do. They are there to either be sustainable and pollute or not. So whereas if they were fossil fuel companies were going to campaign on social causes, for example, you might say, well, that's less relevant As I say, this report from FGS Global made the point that it's actually better to focus your purpose internally on your own employees rather than do it sort of to the outside world, partly because of this risk, as we've mentioned, of of backlash. Um, But, yeah, there's an interesting quote. I was going to quote here from Craig Oliver um, at FGS Global, who's um, obviously David Cameron's former um, comms comms guy in number 10. Uh, Purpose must be relevant to what businesses actually do virtual signalling and social commentary need to be limited and there should be more of a focus on it being communicated to employees, partners and suppliers. So in other words, kind of keep it to your backyard in a way.
2: I agree, because you know who your employees are, don't you? Yeah. That's the point. You know the makeup of your employment base, whereas it's very difficult if you're putting out to a consumer audience. Uh, AB InBev completely misjudged how Dylan Mulvaney would go down among their audience. They didn't fully understand them, but hopefully companies understand their own audience
1: yeah
0: and employee comms was one of the big success stories of the last couple of years and that actually is now a massive revenue driver for a lot of PR agencies because that audience is now seen to be especially on the back of COVID the number one stakeholder even more so than the customer for a business
1: yeah and it's not only internal I mean you you could add to this and and the quote sort of does it as well it sort of talks about suppliers as well so the B2B is an important one here as well isn't it and you're sort of wider stakeholders. So I guess that, that could be your local community or it could be literally the sort of l- local politics or whatever that might be. But that idea of, yeah, sort of getting on well in your local environment is crucial. And that's why I say the kind of that sort of big gesture, social purpose kind of approach is probably something we'll see less of.
0: So finally, let's move on to Danny. I expect this is probably going to be one of your favourite subjects. So let's talk about the summer of sport that we have ahead of us this year. Um, Sport always brings such hope, optimism and excitement into the world, doesn't it? Which against the kind of backdrop of all of those elections is going to be an interesting uh, media landscape for us next year, isn't it?
2: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
0: really kind of looking ahead with the Euros taking place in Germany, the Olympics taking place in Paris. Danny, what do you think this means for agencies? Do you think, what will this summer of sport mean? And do you think it's going to bring significant returns for the industry and otherwise what might be quite a challenging year?
2: Yeah, I think sport is one of the bright spots. It's always one of the bright spots in my own life. And uh, I think it's going to create a lot of economic and business value this year. As you say, some very big events. I remember when... um, Martin Sorrell famously used to run WPP and he always used to say, make predictions as a footsie boss, what was going to be a good year economically and what was going to be a bad year. And generally, years that had an Olympics, a Summer Olympics, were always got a big boost. And by the way, the other big boost in brand spend was um, an election, particularly in America. So if in an American election year and an Olympic year, traditionally brands have spent a lot more money and indeed... If you're talking about the Olympics, this is the biggest brand festival in the world. And this Olympics is going to be in Paris. And that means that hopefully it should be a fairly straightforward city to work with for most Western brands, certainly, and a fairly stable country, again, hopefully. And this means that spend by big companies will be higher than ever. And as you say, we've also got a Euros competition in Germany, in, um, again in the heart of Europe. So I think this is going to be a real boost, particularly consumer PR. There's going to be a lot of spend on that. So, and in fact, we've got a piece in PR Week today from David Bond, who's the director of Freud Communications. And he used to be, if you remember, the BBC sports editor. And he's writing about this, saying exactly why Paris is really good news for consumer PR.
0: So, Danny, the key question though is: Are you going to give up a Wimbledon ticket to go to the Euros?
2: Well, you put me on the spot now, Frankie. I don't know. <laughs> I'll go to both. I'll go, You'll to, go both. to
0: both. Yeah, good answer. So that brings us to the end of the show. But before we go, I'm going to highlight some of the up and coming PR week events for your diary. We have the Influencer 360 conference, uh, which is this year looking at influencer marketing taking place in London on the 10th of April. So get your tickets soon. And there's still some time to enter the PR week global awards. Information on all these awards and events can be found at prweek.com. So we hope you've enjoyed listening to the show and we very much look forward to joining us next time.